0: Telehealth, on the rise at Veterans Affairs and in the private sector, has one thing in common with every other digital service. It's a cybersecurity risk. Now the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence, part of the National Institute of Standards and Technology, is planning a healthcare project to establish best practices for security and privacy in telehealth situations. Here with more on the project, Senior Cyber Engineer Ron Pulavarti. Mr. Pulevarti, good to have you on. Hello, Tom. Thanks for having me. And tell us the scope of this project, because telehealth is a cyber event in all ways. And so are you looking at simply the hacking, cybersecurity, classical aspects of this, or what else constitutes security in the telehealth situation?
1: So our project, our smart home integration project, it's actually, uh, we just published it out in August of 2022, as far as our project description goes. And what we're looking really... More so is to figure out the mechanics behind the audio sound, like speakers, to figure out how patients today use speakers to schedule doctor's appointments, order medications, do follow visits. So what we're looking at, we have three frameworks at this where we always follow as far as our standard goes, our risk management framework, our cybersecurity framework, and our privacy-based framework. And these frameworks really provide us a sound guidance for us to follow to develop a practical usable guide so that academia, industry, and government, and um, also not-for-profit organizations could actually start adopting that and using that as a tool. One of the things we're actually doing part of this project now is we're going to be putting out a federal register notice so that we can start involving the public to come and participate in our lab at the NCCOE so that we could start kind of playing around and really figuring out and building out example solutions so that folks could actually learn from it and start using that as some type of architecture in their infrastructure.
0: And what are the issues with telehealth as it stands now? I mean, you get on your, well, it could be just the telephone or it could be a video conference type of situation on one of the platforms. A lot of medical practitioners have portals that they use and so on. What are the issues there? So you
1: have, especially with technology, you have beginner to advanced types of knowledge, right? So adopting a standard so that you could actually help someone that knows little to no basic forms of technology to someone that's very advanced to have a very neutral set. Because when you start thinking about the technology and you start thinking about healthcare, there's so many different ways to intercept. There's always bad actors every day, right? Right. We watch the news. We hear about it on the radio. It's a continuous flow of bad actors. So what we try to do based off of this specific project is really lean towards the experts to build and collaborate a strong team so that we can build these sample solutions to help the entire United States, right? I mean, that's really our ultimate goal.
0: And in telehealth, is there also the issue of the integrity of the situation that's going on? And I'll just give an example that was stated to me. Suppose someone is in a telehealth video situation, and there could have been domestic abuse that occurred, injury of that nature. And the practitioner, the medical practitioner, can see the person. They can't see the surroundings necessarily, or it could be a blurred background. You can't tell if a abusive spouse is looming three feet out of the camera range, this kind of thing. Therefore, the practitioner doesn't know whether he or she is getting honest information here does the project go to that scope?
1: It does not, Tom. But you do see that on a lot of channels when you start watching TV. And that's one of the big things that has evolved, right? Are things such as what you gave us those examples. But our project on this specific project does not uh, scope that to that level of degree. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's for
0: another time then. We're speaking with Ron Pulavarti. He's a senior cyber engineer at the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. So, Besides hacking, what are some of the cybersecurity risks in telehealth that seem to be coming up commonly?
1: So a lot of it, Tom, has to do with privacy, right? You're using audio sounds to communicate personal health information, right? So PHI information is side by side with PII information, right? So being able to provide a safe landscape for individuals to communicate and understand exactly how their architecture is set up is going to be one of the core areas we're going to be focusing on especially when we talk about smart integration, But like any device with technology, you're subject to penetration or hacking of, of some sort. So understanding the basic principles is going to be one of the key points we're going to be really trying to put out to for the public to use as a guidance. But we're really, really, really going to be focusing on the audio capability using our smart home integration project speaker that we just recently published as far as our project description goes.
0: Yes, because these speakers, these things that you use with voice activation in your home are a third party. They're neither you nor your medical practitioner nor the network carrier. They're really a fourth party that is trying to glean information about you. And I'm sure they're smart enough to know the word Tylenol or the word statin, or whatever the case might be. And next thing you know, you know, you're getting ads for these types of things or whatever it is you're talking to your doctor about. That's something that we have to avoid.
1: Absolutely. Even for my own personal world or my space, I'm surrounded by smart devices all around. I have a safety place that I go to in my house that I deal with my financial discussions, my health discussions and so forth. So I'm not surrounded by technology that's all around me. And those are basic things I think folks, especially when using devices, should consider while we start evolving more and more dependent on these smart home devices in our homes.
0: In that room, do you have a dryer full of ping pong balls that you start running (laughs) to make sure that nobody can understand what's going on? Kind of like the Sopranos. I should, or I might just turn on the faucet. I don't know. I don't want to give it away, (laughs) but, uh, Just
1: having background noise really makes a big difference. You may cause a little disruption to the party on the phone you're speaking to, but it really provides some sort of distortion so that you can really talk sensitive information if you need to.
0: And in the opener, I mentioned Veterans Affairs, which is a pioneer in telemedicine. Again, all of the channels, just a simple phone call to the full bore video type of conference. Are they a source of best practices here or at least current practice that might be adopted into the NCCOE type of work?
1: So at the NCCOE, we have partnered with Veterans Affairs individuals within HHS space and and, and so forth. And we definitely lean on a lot of government agencies like CISA. As we start creating our collaborative hub for, again, government, industry and academia, it gives the ability to hear about what is it that they're actually working on and bring those expertise and knowledge at the NCCOE so that we can start drafting and create these practical, usable, repeatable guides.
0: Because I think this would be of high interest to CMS, because they are temporarily paying for telehealth services as a result of the pandemic. But the big question now is, is this going to be part of the mix forever? And so Mm -hmm. you don't want to be paying for data that goes to Merck and Google.
1: Absolutely. And, And one of the things, especially this scope of this project isn't really talking cloud. We're looking at Specifically, the actual devices that take in this audio. And one of the things that we've noticed, especially with telehealth evolving, is giving individuals the capability to use some form of guidance, right? We work closely with health delivery organizations. We really can't tell a manufacturer how to develop their product, but we can provide some form of guidance when you have health delivery organizations that are working with their patients at home how it is that they could use our guidance to adopt a much more of a safer and practical network and infrastructure.
0: And just a final question, you mentioned this notice coming in the Federal Register for people to participate. What will they do? What kind of information? What situation will they be going into?
1: So the Federal Register notice will talk about our project and what it is that we're looking for. Following that there, Tom, we're going to be provided letter of interest of individuals that have expressed their skills, they have a solid foundation or knowledge about what type of work we're doing. And then they would submit a letter of interest over to the NCSUE in which then we would weigh and kind of then make the determination if this would be a qualified individual for them to join our project. We have over 20 plus labs at the NCCOE. We have over 35 active cybersecurity projects. So we're just constantly on a ramp with a lot of the work that we're doing over there. But the letter of interest really, which they call an LOI, it really provides us the background to see the skills and the knowledge that they can bring to the table once we can go into the labs.
0: Ron Pulivarty a senior cyber engineer at the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time.
0: And we'll post this interview plus a link to more information from NIST at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.